This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Pentecost Sunday. We thank you for the outpouring of the Spirit that has continued on uh, uh, from the early disciples. More than just the 12 disciples, 120 were filled and they received. Lord, even 500 were spoken to to, to, to go to this meeting, but only 120 showed up. Father God, let us be people that are hungry for your word, I pray. Hungry for your truth, that, that we would receive everything you have for us. In Jesus' mighty name, I bless the people of God here today. Amen. Amen. We have a little booklet, Why Tongues. It's from uh, Kenneth Hagen, who since passed away and uh, done a lot of teaching on faith. But that's a real practical little booklet. That's how we like to present the baptism. And uh, you go home, you study that, and then you can say, hey, would you pray for me, Pastor, or one of the staff? Absolutely, to receive that. And many people are filled just by reading the booklet and, and praying, kneeling on, uh, on their bedside and or whatever, and just asking of the Lord. And so I just want to encourage you in that. Amen. Let me just continue here in our series with time we have left. And I'm going to try to uh, go through this as quickly as possible because there's some recap. But this is the third week in our series. And we're talking about the blessing of the Lord and how does God prune us, part two, prune us. And Luke 24 is a passage that we talked about when it came, when we talked about the blessing of the Lord. It says, and it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat with them. He took bread and he blessed it. He took bread and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And then it says their eyes were open and they knew him. And I don't have enough time to get into the last uh, uh, two weeks that we've talked about, about how what God blesses, he breaks so it can produce more. That's a principle that's in the word of God. See, we want the blessings of God without the breakings and dealings of God. What I mean by breaking, it's not crushing you. It's not to destroy you. It is to get all of the flesh that's pretty strong in our lives. Can I get an amen? Our self-will. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, funny to say, you know, it's like, well, you know, I feel like a really spiritual person until you make a decision to fast for three days or seven days. <laughs> then after the fourth day, you feel like you're the devil with a tail and horns, you know? It's just it's human nature. It's human nature. And, and so these things God wants to, to break in our life. He, he, so so we, how many of you want the blessing of God? A little reluctant. Some of you raise your hand. And it comes with breaking. Sure does. <laughs> so we've talked about that. And so we, we recognize that the breakings in life... Uh, we recognize our master's presence in true blessings. It's where we begin to truly understand and see God in a richer way. And we talked about Job, how at the end he, he saw God in a richer way. And, and so with that, these break-ins, he's like, how does that happen? And we've been talking about pruning, pruning, and how does God's dealings on our life in, in order to ask to create more fruit. We've been talking about this principle of pruning in John 15, 5. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. How many of you know that we're not the vine? Okay. He is the vine. He is the one that gives us sustenance. He is the one that causes us to, to live and move and have our being and to get out and leave here today and go do something this week and produce. It is him. 
It is Him. How many know that you're one breath away from eternity? Every one breath away. We think we're in control of our lives. He is divine. We are the branches. If you stay joined to me, there's a contingency there. If you stay joined to me and I stay joined to you, then you produce lots of fruit. How many know at the end of your life, you don't want to be known that the person that produced Elijah, a lot of widgets and gadgets, and that's great. That blesses people. But fruit is something, he's talking spiritually, that lasts forever. Amen? In the Bible, sometime I'm going to do a series on the crowns. It's a subject you hardly ever hear about, but you know what? There are at least five crowns in the Bible. How many know that you only get a crown when you live according to what the crown requires? You know what my attitude is? I want every crown, but there's one crown called the martyr's crown. <laughs> I just don't want them cutting my head off. I don't mind if they shoot me, but I just can't handle that. Anyhow, that just sent some of you right over the edge. I know it did. Sorry. Uh, listen, let's live for God. Amen. We live in a blessed nation. Amen. And we don't have those threats per se, but there's other ones. So Jesus said, I'm the vine and branches. He said this, you bear lots of fruit, but you cannot do anything without me. And I've said this, that the fruitful branches represent men and women that abide. If you want to be fruitful, you're one that abides. And if you are fruitful, it's because you're abiding. You're abiding. How many know we don't just put the Jesus hat on on Sunday morning? Amen, Pastor. That's right. Yeah. Every day of the week. Since when do we just put the Jesus hat on Sunday and then we just live like how we want that week? And all the while, the Holy Spirit is bringing, I don't know why someone needs to hear this, that they, he's bringing conviction and saying, you know what? You're not a good representation of me. I, I want to show forth my fruit to your life, but you're, you're, you're just resisting. But Sunday comes, we put the Jesus hat on. Let's live for Christ every day of the week. Amen? And that's not condemnation. That's just, just to, I want to encourage you. And so the Bible says that we cannot do anything without him. And I said, you know what? There's a lot we can do without God. Isn't that right? People do it every day. There's a lot. They fix things. They repair things. They build things. They don't ask God one bit about it. So what does this mean? He's talking about eternal things, things that last. And, you know, I've been at the, the deathbed of a number of people, and they're not talking about things that they accomplished in the natural. At the end. You know what they're talking about? How was I as a husband or a wife? Did, did, did I do anything eternal? Did I serve anywhere in the church? You know, sad to say, uh, I, I, I've been at, at funerals, uh, and it's, it's grievous to me that people that have lived for themselves their whole life, never darken the door of a church they just live for themselves wow that's scary to me so the person who is separate or the bible uses the word severed from christ can bear no fruit and so at the end of our lives we want to be people that we just say you know what because of god he did this and i was faithful in this area and, and we can receive our reward can somebody say amen so Jesus says, if you stay joined to me, if you abide, if you continue, that means what? At times when you're sad, at times when things don't seem like they're working out, at times when you're frustrated, at times when you're unhappy, you're shedding tears, at times when you're agonizing over your children because they're not serving the Lord. And at these hard times, he says, if you could come to church still and go, you know what? I'm mad at God. I don't understand what's going on. I'm ticked off. Seems like he's ignoring me. Can I get an amen? I'm coming to church, and I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to worship God. I may not feel it inside, but he is worthy. And, and I'm going to walk by faith with this, and I'm going to trust you. Wow, that's real faith. I said, that's real faith. Amen? 
you will bear much fruit. It isn't like God is a killjoy. He's trying out to destroy your life. But everything God does, he does in superabundance. Everything. Every little seed you plant, you don't get one back. You get thousands back, right? One kernel of corn produces thousands of other ones. That's our God. And so he, he's out to bless us. That's why we title the series, The Blessing of the Lord. So abide means, it's actually the Greek word meno. It means to remain, I stay, I continue, I'm present, I persevere, and I survive. I hung on to that word, I survive, because you know what? Some seasons, you just have to survive them. You just, you just got to, you're like, I am so... <laughs> I feel so bad. I hurt so bad. I cry at times. I I I, I just I agonize and I hurt to do it. But yeah, I feel like I'm ready to fall apart. But but I survived it. Why? Because God is good. He's going to carry you through that season. Hebrews ten thirty eight says the person who has God's approval will live by faith. But he adds this. He says, but if he turns back. I will not be pleased with him. Boy, that really speaks to me, especially in this season of my life at 53 years old. You know, you kind of slow down a little bit. Not complaining here, but a little bit. You know, for some of you that can stay up all night, play video games, and then you can get up bright and early, which actually not really for this generation. They like to sleep in. But but you, how many of you I'm saying? You slow down a little bit. Things are a little bit harder getting up and all that. But I still have more life. I have more as God grants me more days. Amen. And, and, and so, uh, uh, but this thing about this, this truth about turning back, it, it, it alarms me. It scares me because there's a push of the enemy in all of us to cause us to just, just calm down, just chill, just, just, just take it easy. You know what? Get your little house, your little whatever you want and, and, and that nice resort area. Just retire and just don't have to deal with any of the pressures of life. Just get up every day and live for yourself. How many know? I know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> that's, that's how the enemy just kind of wants you to chill. It's to chill and draw back. It's called a drawback spirit, is what Hebrew says. And, and so we need to constantly be in in the game, skin in the game, if I could say it that way, and keep moving forward. There's some things you're not able to do. That's fine. Just be, be in the game still of the kingdom of God. How many with me say amen? This word, one Bible commentator says about abiding in Christ, he said, uh, he says this, that these words are not addressed to unconverted men or women, but to disciples who have to learn their constant need of spiritual contact with their invisible Lord. Let a believer sever themselves from Christ and live on his own, live on his own past reputation or his supposed strength in the clearness of his intellect, the vigor of his body, the eminence of his position, he can and will do nothing. And I found that to be so true for those who turn back. I've known people that are involved in ministry and they had traveling ministries and they went into many, many churches and over a period of a time and then something tripped them up. Some tragedy, some hurt, some, some, some wound that they couldn't get over and, and they just drew back. And then when you look, it's kind of like almost, if this is the right word, a demarcation. is a point in their life where just everything seemed like it stopped. It stopped. There's no more stories now we can tell about. I just remember, well, back then, you're going back 30, 40 years. God has new stories every day. Even if you're 65, 68, 72, 82, amen? 38, God has new stories. I want my life to be one that's continually God doing stories in and through my life. Amen. <clears throat> so uh, I just want to interject this 
when we talk about this, about remaining in this pruning process, this I felt God gave me this word, and, and whoever it is, just receive it if you can. I want to interject hope for a loved one. Now, we, you hear these things about pruning, and you just think, oh, God, this is my son, this is my daughter, or this situation, or a loved one. And, uh, I just agonize over it. The Bible says in James 5, 16, it says, The fervent prayer, King James Version, of a righteous man or woman availeth much. But this translation says it this way. So admit your sins to each other and pray for each other. That means we are at times we be transparent with a confidant. How many know you're not supposed to admit your sins to everybody? Because it might be on social media before long. Do you know what's, you know? And, and now everyone's trying to, you know, get the selfie of the greatest, you know, make everyone else envious. Look at the blast that happened. Really, the truth of the matter is you're not. You're just in a, a pretty place. Amen. It says, uh, admit your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Why? So you may be healed. How, what a great passage for the local church. Sometimes you need Jesus with skin on him. Amen? And that's the local church. People there that love you, that know you because you're connected. Pray that you may be healed. And actually, that word means to be cured, to make whole, to bring about one's salvation. Now watch this. <clears throat> it says, the prayer offered by those who have God's approval are effective. What am I saying? That those of you, you've got skin in the game, you're serious, you ha don't have a drawback spirit, you love God, <clears throat> you have God's approval, your prayers are effective. Hang on to that. Your son, your daughter, your relative, or the person you're praying for, this situation, a child, or whatever, they're going to come back to God. They're going to come back to God. In Jesus' name, I declare that. Somebody say amen. And so quickly here, does God prune uh, Christians? <clears throat> he, he does, even if we're faithful. <clears throat> John chapter 15, 1 to 2, Jesus says, I am the true vine, the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine. There's that pruning truth that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You know, one thing I found out about life, life produces more life than it can sustain. Do you know you have a rose bush? It produces more buds than the bush can handle. So even in a, in a, in a natural, healthy sense, those good buds need to make room for the best buds. It's principle. Lord willing, we'll get into that next week. So God wants us to produce more. God is still going to prune us, even if we're doing right. Pruning doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It means you're doing something right. Okay, you need to, be, you need to see that. <clears throat> you don't have to be doing something wrong. It's usually when you're doing things that are right, pruning happens. And it's not forever. It's just like a season. There's seasons my wife and I, we've gone through, and uh, I, just, I, I just mentioned her this morning. I, I hope I get a big amen when I say this. She needs to do a series for at least four weeks on the seasons of life and raising kids. Okay. She has a tremendous resource of wisdom, just spiritual, practical knowledge and seasons, and I believe it could bless us. So now that you know, I'll help you with that series. Amen. She's looking at me like, oh, dear God. So how does God prune us? Just very quickly, a recap on this. And I'm just going to try to get into this next point. We talked about his word, how his word prunes us. The Bible says you are cleansed and pruned already because of the word I speak over your life. And so there's something about God's word as we meditate on his word. By beholding his word, we, we are changed, we are transformed. And that's why it's important for you to get the word of God in your life. Whose responsibility is that? Is it your husband's responsibility? Is it your wife's responsibility to nag you? No. 
It is your own responsibility to orchestrate your life, to set up habits. You know, John Maxwell came out with a book. You're uh, talking about daily habits, the daily habits. And, and he said this, your future is locked up in your daily routine. What does that mean? Whatever you do, if you think you're going to get change and you're doing the same thing over and over again and you're not doing anything different to implement that change, he talks about one of the areas was his health. And at a young age, he had a heart attack. And he said, I focused on business. I focused on leadership. I focused on development. I focused on, you know, furthering the kingdom. And he said, but I didn't focus on my health. Now he's on the treadmill. He said, I had a heart attack. And so your future is locked up in what you do day in and day out. And if you want something to change, then you need to implement it in your life. You can hear me talk to him blue in the face. Oh, that's that crazy pastor wants me to read the word. I don't know about it. If you don't do it, you won't get the word in your heart. But you heard it here from the pulpit. Amen. So I don't mean that in condemnation. I look at that as it's like life, ammunition for your soul. Amen. It's fruit. That's a good thing. And so we talked about that. We talked about our relationship with others. And we said that, you know, God puts all these fruit testers. And that's me in your life. I'm probably a fruit tester for some of you. And some of you are fruit testers for me. And it just kind of goes around. And God does that because he, he, he does that to sharpen us. You know, the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron. I should have known uh, when, when uh, my wife and I were engaged to, to be married. And we just graduated from Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas. That a guy came up and he prayed for us as, as a couple, uh, soon to be married. And he prayed. And he goes, I got a word from the Lord. As iron sharpens iron. So will the countenance. I went, oh man, am I in for her? <laughs> and she probably felt the same thing about me. But it was true. She has sharpened my life. I hope I have helped sharpen her life. And that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. I'm a better person today because of my wife. Men, amen. Amen. <laughs> All right, I spent enough time. Just a few minutes on this point here. That God prunes us through conviction, through conviction. And what do you mean by conviction? Our conscience, our conscience. I'll explain it in a moment. Acts 23, 1, Paul said, Brethren, I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience. So we know we can have a good conscience before God up to this day, he said. 1 Timothy 3, 9, But holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. How many know we can have a good conscience and a clear conscience? 1 Corinthians 8, 7 says, we can have a weak and defiled conscience. 1 Timothy 4, 2 says, our conscience can become seared, as it, it means in the Greek, as with a hot iron. How many have left the iron down and you're you know, running to get something, shutting something off, something's beeping, and you come back and there's that brown burnt iron stain right there. That's what it means. It's our conscience can be seared and I'll tell you how that can happen. It says through hypocrisy and lying. So being a hypocrite, living as a hypocrite, and lying, it causes our conscience to be seared. We're not sensitive to the things of the Spirit. 1 Timothy 1.19 says, We are keep the faith in a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Shipwreck means to be run aground. That means you're moving and you hit a sandbar, you're shipwrecked. Now, how many know the waves and the things of life will just destroy that ship if it doesn't get free? So, okay, what is your conscience? Someone once said, conscience is an internal, rational capacity that bears witness to our value system. Let's break it down a little bit easier. Conscience, it's a built-in warning system that signals us when something we have done is wrong. 
Watch this. The conscience is to our souls what pain senses are to our bodies. It inflicts distress in the form of guilt whenever we violate what our hearts tell us is right. How many of you see right there and there alone the importance of the Word of God to help direct us what's right? Amen? How many of you know that, you know, and we'll get into this in a moment, these things, the commands of God, you're not going to know all 600 plus commands of the Old Testament, you know, that we're under now the law of grace, where if we fulfill the law of love, we're going to fulfill the commands of God. But there's a lot of things we do ignorantly because we don't know. And God will reveal through His Spirit. He reveals it through His conviction. Conviction. And so let me just back up here for the unbeliever, Romans 2.15. Uh, just to help some of you have some friends that, you know, they don't know the Lord and you feel like, man, they're having all this fun. They're having all this fun in the world. I'm just miserable going to church and having, you know, being a Christian. No, <clears throat> they are worse off than you. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature, somebody shall by nature, right there is the key. Do what the law requires. They, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. In other words, they don't fulfill it. They show that the work of the law is, what does it say? Written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness in their conflicting thoughts, either accuse or excuse them. So without them, even for an unbeliever, there's something, I call it the secret agent, in every single person that is born. There's something written on the heart to know, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not lie. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. They just know it. They just know it. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> Every human being has an inborn knowledge of God and his law. That's a good place to say amen. Everybody. 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 So even your heathen friends know that they're doing wrong. They're spiritual criminals. They know it. They know it. I'll give you an example of one. We were in New Orleans in the Mardi Gras outreach, and, you know, there's alternate lifestyle. There's everything crazy down there. God just shows up, and we share the gospel there on the streets, and it's a very powerful time. And uh, it's also a very challenging time, very challenging. It challenges you and your walk, and as you stand there with thousands of people from all over the, you know, the world, actually, that come and and they feel like they're comfortable in their zone and their drunken stupor and, 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 and illicit state. And, but they'll talk to you. They'll talk to you. And I had this one guy come up, and he was in a certain lifestyle. And I knew he wanted to argue. I knew he, wanted to, he just wanted to throw down, basically, in his argument. And, and, and so I just felt the, the Spirit just say, you know what, answer him this way. And he says, well, what does God think about so-and-so and so-and-so in this lifestyle? And I said, well, I said, that's quite an inflammatory question. That's the first thing I said. And he goes, yeah, you better believe it is. And then he goes, I'll tell you what, God won't take, he can't stand this, this, and that, and that's wrong, and this is wrong, and so. And I said, you just answered your own question. He stepped back and went, he didn't know how to handle that, but he argued his own argument how it was wrong. And I just didn't have to say anything. I just said, you just answered your own question. You know, he was so convicted. Because why? He knew what he was doing was wrong. Where did that come from? What? You know? Well, you know, evolutionists say that the, the church is pounded in every human being. Before the law, before the Ten Commandments even came out, there was, you can read in that top part in Genesis how they knew it was wrong to kill. It was wrong to steal. It was wrong to commit adultery. It was written on their hearts. How many with me say amen? Or oh me. 
So now what this means is that every person born on this planet has enough knowledge of the moral law of God in their hearts by virtue of being created in God's image so that their conscience are either conflicted or sometimes approving or sometimes disapproving. And what this means is not that every unbeliever in the world, as I said earlier, knows all of the 600 plus commands in the first five books of the Bible. But what it means, watch this, is that all human beings have sufficient knowledge of what is right and what is wrong written on their hearts so that their conscience can excuse them or affirm them. And here's the thing. At judgment day, they will not be held accountable for what they have no knowledge of. They had no access to. Some people just think that, well, you know, what about the pygmies in Africa? The truth of the matter is the gospel has gone further to the pygmies in Africa than it has in, in many places. <laughs> that, that's a fact. But, the, you know, they're not going to be held accountable for what they didn't know. God's not going to go so like, well, you didn't accept Jesus Lord and Savior. You're going to hell. I never even heard of them. No, there's a law on their hearts. You know, there are certain tribes in the Congo that they've studied that were tribes that even though they, they had numerous wives, they had some code some ethic in these tribes where they didn't, they didn't kill, they, they protected the wives, they protected the children, albeit it was misconstrued in some way. Then there was the tribes that were savages, and they were headhunters. And they kind of wondered, like, what told this tribe to not do that and know that that was wrong? You shall not do no murder. No Bible, no nothing. The law of God is in our hearts. Somebody say amen. Be awfully quiet here this morning. Because when we step out and we do something wrong, something inside goes, that's not right. What happens though when I ignore the, that's not right? That's where the Bible talks about having a seared conscience. And we're talking here to Christians. You know, uh, talk about, you know, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's a YouTube, there's all these crazy YouTube videos out there. But there's one actually about a, a, this young girl and her boyfriend, if I understand it correctly. I don't know if they're husband and wife, but... Uh, and she's from Arkansas, and there's a, they go in the path of a tornado. Some of you probably have seen that. And I think the thing was ironic is she's got her, you know, her phone out, and she's screaming at the boyfriend, and they're heading right into it. But so, so the first thing she had to prioritize is I got to get it on video because I'm about to die. Get it on video. And the second was she starts calling out to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Oh, Jesus, forgive me all my sins. Oh, forgive me for this. Forgive me for that. And the car flips over, whatever, and they survive through it, but it's all on video. And I just thought, okay, note to self. Don't record it. Get out of there. Stop. Turn around. But, you know, what am I saying? Let's live for God. At the end of our life, our conscience is clear. You can do that. To as many as receive him, to them gave the power to become the sons and daughters. So that's for unbeliever. For the Christian, the closer we get to God, the more he will begin to convict us and highlight the things in our lives that need to change. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The longer we follow Jesus, watch this, the more he will point out different places that need attention. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's where he convicts us in our conscience. You say, well, pastor, what happens, you know, if I just kind of ignore that and ignore that? Well, uh, our conscience can be seared, the Bible says. Uh, I'll get into that in a moment. But, you know, I can remember for myself being in the Marine Corps and then getting out in the Bible school, uh, God highlighting things in my private life, things that I needed to, you know, surrender to him. 
I said this, I made a decision to, to remain sexually pure while I was in the Marine Corps and, and to be one when I was married. And I, I was sorely tested in that, sorely mocked, rebuked, laughed at, and all the, all the above. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was miserable, but I'm sure glad I didn't follow what people said. Amen? And, 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 but but <clears throat> things that never used to bother me, they, they, they bother me now. How many understand that? You know, things, it's just like, you know, God has delivered me of that or he's delivering me of that and I don't need to participate in that. So God is still pruning. He's still convicting me and that's a lifelong process and that's a good thing. So in these moments when God is pruning us, whether it's for something big or something small, we can either choose to be faithful, watch this, and faithful to God, allowing him to prune us, or we can choose to distance ourselves and walk away. One commentator says this, that we, of course, are free to ignore our conscience. And I just want to encourage you that so many Christians are ignoring their conscience and they wonder why they feel separated from God. They just don't feel God. Maybe perhaps three, four days ago or a month ago or eight weeks ago, there was something you just really, you're ignoring God in and his spirit is bringing conviction. Can I get an amen in this full gospel church? And, and we're just not, you know, you know, we're not saying, okay, Lord, okay, okay, forgive me, God. See, there's cleansing there's, there's washing, there's forgiveness if we make that choice. If we make that choice. Stand with me if you would, please. First uh, Timothy 4.2. 1 Timothy 4.2, 4, we'll close with this. He says that such teachings are spread by deceitful liars and those whose consciences are dead as if burnt with a hot iron. How does that happen? I don't want to be that person. I could probably remember seasons in my life where I maybe felt that. It's just like... I. We were point, watch this, you just don't care anymore. You just don't care anymore. Too much hurt, too much pain, too much things not going your way. Just don't care. Don't allow the enemy cause you to believe the lie, the lie. God wants us to operate with a clear conscience. How many know with a clear conscience, we're able to go, you know what? I need to walk across the room and talk to this man. I need to share. I, there's something about, because our conscience is clear and God's speaking. How many know right now that there's all, if you turn your phones on, you can pick up, there's the Wi-Fi, there's, there's movies, there's everything you can pick up, and there's all these stations and channels. It's just like that with God. There's a station. There's a one channel for God, okay? And, and, and if we're connected to that, he will be speaking. And so as we, we can keep a clear conscience through obedience and faith. You say, well, Pastor, I, I, I just screwed up. I, I just, just keep doing the wrong thing over. We're going to pray for you here in a moment. Everyone alive is born with a, with a conscience. Part of being made in the image of God is that all of us have an innate understanding of right and wrong and good and evil. We talk about the pruning process. God put that in us. God prunes us through conviction, not because it's easy, not because it's pain-free. Why? Because he wants us to grow. Every head bowed, please. You're here this morning as a pastor. I've haven't lived in that good conscience. Thanks be to God for the cleansing power of the cross and forgiveness in Christ. As a believer, you're here as a Christian this morning, and you've just allowed your conscience. And what happens is repeatedly, repeatedly, rejecting the voice of your conscience, we become, have become hard hearts. We become hardened to the things of God. We can get to a point and people do. I believe this. Some don't believe this, but I believe that we get to a point where hearts can become so hard against God. You stop following Him. 
stopped attending church, we stopped serving, we stopped giving, we stopped, we just, just, we disappear. We disappear. And God is wooing us back. Spirit of God is here this morning and he's wooing us back to him. He's saying, I'm here with open arms. I'm not here with judgmental arms. I'm here with loving open arms. I'm saying, welcome back, come back. Your answer is not out there. Your answer isn't out there and leisure, activity, and fun, sports, playing, all games. That, that's not what the answer is with me, says the Spirit of God. Come back. He's drawing you back. As the prodigal, he's, he's drawing you back. He, he looked from afar on the porch. He kept looking every day. That's the heart of the Father, to bring back. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You're here this morning. You say, well, I've never committed my life to Christ and man I'm in, I'm in a mess and I'm in a you know I've dug some deep holes God is here to save you he's here to forgive you he's here to cleanse you he's here to wash you he's here to restore you he's here to place his spirit within you and give you a clear conscience someone told me one time as an evangelist he said I, when I got saved and I received Christ in my life he said I felt like the Holy Spirit came inside of me like a pressure washer. And he pressure washed everything inside me. And I was clean. That's what God wants to do with you here this morning. With every head bowed, you say, Pastor, that's me. Whether you're a backslidden Christian or you're one that need to receive Christ for the first time. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Take it. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Teach me, Lord. Speak to me. Help me to be sensitive to the promptings of your Spirit. Jesus, cleanse my conscience. Purify my mind. Purify my heart. In Jesus' name. It's like David cried out, Create in me a clean heart, O oh Lord. Renew a right spirit. Cast me not away from thy presence, O God. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me, but restore unto me the joy of my salvation. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is here with arms held open wide. He's here to receive you back and restore you. I want to welcome the altar workers to come forward. Some of you need just a few moments of just hands laid upon you, prayer of faith. Maybe it's for an issue, a healing, something we haven't talked about. or uh, Maybe it's you've been, you know, wrestling with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you feel like you're ready and you say, you know what, I want to receive. They're here for you to pray for you with that. What a, what a great day on Pentecost Sunday to receive your heavenly language. Hallelujah. I just want to encourage you, don't leave here this morning. If you don't have to right away, receive. These are safe people. These are prayed up people. These are godly people. They're here for you. Let me bless you. Father, we just thank you for this morning. I bless the people of God. Lord, all those that are watching by television or online or listening by audio, and I bless them now. Holy Spirit, we sense your presence. I just sense a receptivity to the people of God here this morning, and God is going to meet you at your point of need. I bless the people of God. Do a work in their life. Lord, help us to be a people that we live with a clear conscience. In Jesus' mighty name, God bless you. Have a blessed week. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. 
Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times in meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.